Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. Enjoying some good fellowship. Make your way in, and we'll get started. Praise the Lord. I trust that you uh, enjoyed uh, your Thanksgiving and uh, just time with family and friends, eating good food and enjoying good conversation and laughter, hopefully, was a big part of your gathering. Uh, We had a great time last Wednesday at our Thanksgiving Eve service, just sharing words of testimony and getting to know one another and just hearing people's hearts about uh, why it is they love to serve the Lord and uh, love being part of this family. And that's a big part of what we're going to talk about this morning, of course. And so uh, as we begin our time together of worship, uh, we are reminded that uh, we worship God in many different ways. We worship God through music, which is what we'll do in just a moment, standing and singing songs of praise to him. We also worship God through our giving of service and using our gifts that the Lord has given us to serve others and to bless other people. We worship God through opening his word, which we will also do together today. We worship God through prayer. And so we're reminded that uh, we are created to worship, to worship God, as uh, the word says, in spirit and in truth, because those are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. We learned that in John chapter four. And so this morning, consider how it is that you desire to worship the Lord together this morning and this coming week, for we gather on the morning of the first day of the week, uh, as the ancient church did, in celebration, in celebration of the resurrection of our Savior, amen? And we do that remembering we have new life and new life in him. As our call to worship this morning, from the word of the Lord, there is this awesome little story in the book of First Samuel, found in chapter seven, and that of course is in the Old Testament. And we see that the people of Israel were being called to repentance by Samuel. And there was a great time of revival among the people of Israel because they had known and recognized their sin. And through Samuel, their leader, they were led to repent and ask for forgiveness. But it was during this time that there was this great revival that persecution came. And we see that all throughout history, but in this particular moment in the history of Israel, the Philistines had come against them to attack them just as they were sensing a time of revival because of their um, repentance of their sin. And so it says in 1 Samuel chapter 7, it says, as Samuel was offering up a burnt offering, he was doing that because the people had repented, so they were rejoicing. So as he offered up this offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But listen to what God did. But the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were defeated right before Israel. But listen to what Samuel did. In response to that, it says, Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen, these two areas right where they were, and he, and he called the name of this stone Ebenezer, for he said, thus far the Lord has helped us. 
The name Ebenezer comes from here. We think of Ebenezer often during this time, this season, from Ebenezer Scrooge, right? So he's kind of got like a bad rap, a bad, you know, a bad connotation, a reputation, like a, a, as a being miserly and miserable. But that word Ebenezer, it means stone of help. It was a reminder that Samuel set up so that as future generations saw that monument of stone, they remembered God has helped us and God has provided. And it caused the future generations to worship the Lord. Would you stand with me right now? Because we are going to worship the Lord. We are going to sing songs of worship to him, being thankful that God has protected us and God has provided. And so we are in our hearts to set up these Ebenezers, these stones of help, these reminders that our God protects and he provides. And especially during times when we come before him and are repentant of our sins, when there is revival in our midst and in our hearts, as we draw closer to him, we are reminded, just as we are in 1 Samuel 7, that we are then to worship God and say thank you. That's what we'll do together this morning. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. Now, God, as we raise holy hands, as we, as the song says, raise our Ebenezer, reminding ourselves and those around us that you have provided, that you have led the way to victory in every battle. God, that we would give you honor and praise and glory for that. Lord, even as our hearts are prone to wander, we desire to be drawn back to you. Thank you that you never leave us, and God, that you are here with us now. And so we worship you in honor of your son, Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray, amen. So church, let's remain standing and worship him together. Dream. 
give him glory and praise all the time. Amen. So take a moment to say good morning to somebody next to you. make our way back to our seats and um, our our kids make their way down the hall join with their teachers uh, it's good to be in this place this morning I trust that you've uh, been blessed in our time of worship already and uh, before we open God's word together just a few areas of what we call church life getting caught up on the uh, recent announcements remember next Sunday, well, it's actually the first Sunday in, um, in December, if you can believe that. And so we will have our fellowship lunch, as usual, our monthly fellowship lunch, which is uh, the first Sunday of every month. And of course, we end our service, our worship service, with communion around the Lord's table. And then uh, we continue our remembrance and then celebration of new life in Him through our fellowship lunch. And so it is uh, potluck season and so uh, remember to bring a dish to share for next Sunday. We'll send out an email reminder, but uh, just to put that on your calendar and to make a note for next Sunday, uh, after our service, we will have our monthly fellowship lunch. And so if you'd be willing to bring uh, a dish uh, to share, it'd be great. We can, and everybody's welcome always to stay. It's uh, always a great time of fellowship and uh, just good conversation and encouragement. Um, we, in two weeks, there will be an open house that Claudia and I will, um, will host at our home here in Brick. Some of you have already been there before, but uh, we did this last year, and we really wanted to do that again. And so on Friday, December 9th at 6 p.m., 
we will be hosting an open house that's for anybody in the church to come and uh, just come and stop by and, and greet one another and say hello and just enjoy some some Christmas time festivities and uh, music and good food. And yes, Andrew, there will be food there. Uh, and um, yeah, and so starting at six o'clock on Friday, December 9th, if you have any time uh, from between six and 10 o'clock, you can stop by and and just enjoy some time of good fellowship. And we love to be able to open our home to do that. And so be looking for the details as a reminder, email and text reminders, but that will be Friday, December 9th in two weeks at 6 p.m. at our home in Brick. And uh, please invite friends and family to, to come by. It's just a great time of rejoicing and celebrating and uh, enjoying the, uh, the Christmas season together as a church family. And it's good sometimes to get outside of these four walls, right? And get together in homes and um, to be able to uh, enjoy each other's company. Uh, and so there's many other things that are happening here at Trinity. So make sure you continue to check out our website, trinityallenwood.com, and you'll You'll notice there that we have three words that are on our website and you see them all around because they are core values that we learn, grow, and serve. It's how we pursue being disciples, learning the truth and growing in faith and then serving, serving each other. And in fact, that is our theme for today as we continue through our Discipleship Pathway series. What does it look like to serve, serve in the church and serve one another? Sort of part two from last week's message on our spiritual gifts, because what do we do with our gifts? Well, we use them to serve the body of Christ. And so that will be our theme for this morning. In just a moment, we will open the Bible together and see what God has to say about serving. You know, um, it was back in the year 109 AD that the Romans built an aqueduct in the city of Segovia, which is located still to this day in central Spain. And just the northwest of uh, Madrid. And so the Romans built this aqueduct back in 109 AD to bring water, much needed water, from the mountains down to the city below. And of course, at the time, it was a marvel of engineering. And for 1,800 years, yes, 1,800 years, this aqueduct served the people of that city by carrying cool water down from the mountains to the hot and thirsty citizens of the city below. So nearly 60 generations of people drank from its flowing, life-giving waters. This marvel of engineering, this aqueduct that brought life-giving water from the mountains above to the city below. But then came the next generation, a more recent generation, after 1,800 years, who said to themselves, this aqueduct is so great a marvel and a testament to our history and past generations that it ought to be preserved for our children and their children. So it will always be here. And so they said to themselves, we shall relieve it of its centuries-old labor and build a more modern system. And so they did just that. After 1,800 years, they said, you know what? We want to honor the service of this great aqueduct to our people by building a more modern one and let this new one be a testament to what God had done. So they laid down modern pipes, modern 
iron pipes to bring water in from the mountains. They gave the ancient bricks and mortar of the aqueduct a reverent rest. And then the aqueduct began to fall apart. The sun beating down day after day on the dry mortar caused it to crumble because water was not flowing through it any longer. The bricks and the stones sagged and threatened to fail and to fall. What ages of service could never destroy, idleness quickly disintegrated. We are designed to serve God. We are designed by God to serve him and serve others. But yet, if we are not using the gifts that he has given us, the gifts that he has given us to help build up the church and to help grow in the life of our local body of believers, then we will not lose our gifts, but we will lose their usefulness if we are not using them to bring blessings to others, just like that great aqueduct. Once it stopped being used for its given purpose, its designed purpose, it quickly disintegrated and was of no use any longer. We have been given spiritual gifts to use to build up this church family. Last week, we looked at those gifts and how they are used, and we listed all of those gifts found in the scriptures. Those, what we call spiritual gifts, as the Holy Spirit indwells each believer at that moment of salvation, we are given at least one of those gifts, and if you remember from last week, we have been given the gifts to use to serve each other, not for our own benefit or edification, but to bless others. So today's message is kind of part two from last week, serving in the church. So it's more specifically, what is the reason that we serve? Why do we serve each other? And how do we do it? And what does the scripture say about the importance of serving? So today, and as we continue our discipleship pathway sermon series. Remember this tool that we have launched this fall to help all of us stay on track of being disciples of Jesus. So a disciple is a learner, a follower, and so we are followers of Jesus learning to be more like him each and every day. This is a very important part of discipleship, serving in the church. So I do pray and trust that this morning you will be convicted convicted in how it is you are to serve here at Trinity Bible Church. And then as you do serve in your local body of um, believers, that you then also are serving the global church, the universal church, which means brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world by using your gift. See, God has given each of his sons and daughters an important role to play. Serving in your church home is a vital part of your spiritual growth and your discipleship. God's church has long been handicapped by this word volunteer. Now, we use the word volunteer a lot, and we understand its meaning, but there's some very noble uh, meanings and connotations about the word volunteer and the role of a volunteer. The truth is, there really are, are no volunteers in God's church. Based on each believer's unique design, 
and spiritual gift, God has designated a ministry or ministries and a service role or multiple roles for every disciple. There is no JV team. There is no junior varsity, no B team. Every role and every person is critical to the unity, impact, and health of the church family. I want to repeat that. Every role and every person is critical to the unity and impact and health of the local church. The church is called a body. Just like our physical bodies, if a limb or organ is missing, broken, or weak, the entire body will fail to operate to its fullest potential. That's key. It may get by, but not without a limp. As a body, the church also needs diverse parts that serve in a variety of functions. There is a role for everyone who calls Trinity Bible Church their family. Aligning your spiritual gifts with your service role in the church is a major part of our Christian discipleship. I want to ask you some questions to consider as we look at Scripture and see what God has to say about serving. Think of these questions. When have you experienced the joy of serving someone else? What does that joy look like for you? Think about a time or times when you experienced true joy from simply serving someone else. What is the current depth of your involvement and your investment in the life of this church family? As we talked about last week, what are your spiritual gifts and are you using them here? How could you use your gifts to serve here at Trinity? And think about this as well. What do you see as some of the greatest needs of this church family? And how can you help to use your gifts to meet those needs? Now, I'd like you to Turn with me in 1 Peter chapter 4. So in the New Testament, the book of 1 Peter chapter 4, the passage will be up on the screen for you as well, but it's always good and better, really, to open your own Bibles. You can use the Bible app on your phone if you'd like. And look with me at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. Now, this is a book that we recently went through. If you remember uh, we finished this towards the end of the summer. It was right before we launched our Discipleship Pathway series. And uh, we had gone through a series uh, of First Peter, and then actually right after the new year, we'll be picking up in that series and start the book of Second Peter. So if you remember, way back when, a few months ago, right, we were doing First and Second Peter together as our uh, journey through the books of the Bible. And we we finished 1 Peter, but right after the new year in January, we will begin in 2 Peter. It's interesting because in 1 Peter, if you remember, the apostle Peter was writing to Christians who were facing real difficulties. They were being persecuted. What's also interesting is that 2 Peter that we will begin right after the new year, Peter is talking specifically about the dangers of false teachers in the church. So be looking forward to that as we finish up our discipleship 
Pathway series as we head towards Christmas, and then after the new year, we'll begin our study on the book of 2 Peter. But this passage today is taken from 1 Peter, so a book that we recently had gone through. And it's an important reminder that whenever we read any passage of Scripture, that we read it in context. So that two things happen. One, we don't take it out of context and make it say something it doesn't mean to say. But also uh, another good reason to read Scripture in context is so you get the full meaning, the full depth of what is being written because every word of God is important. And so right in the middle of this passage, verse 10, really is the key to the whole passage. It's what we're focusing on on service. But it's important to read the verses before it and the verses after because it gives great context and helps us to understand the meaning of verse 10 and why Peter was saying these things to the persecuted church. So I'm going to read this for us. It says in 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11, he says, the end of all things is at hand. How is that uh, for the start of a passage, right? The end of all things is at hand. (laughs) He says, therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is the passage we're going to unpack just briefly in our remaining time together. As we look at the main point of verse 10, serving one another as our topic for today, serving each other in the church, serving in the church. We want to see why it is that Peter is saying, hey, serve one another with the gifts that God has given you, being good stewards of God's varied grace. We want to look at those passages before and after. So I just briefly want to to unpack these together and and try to find some, some very practical application to how we can then approach this idea of serving and serving in our church. So verse 7 starts by saying the end of all things is at hand. I think what Peter was trying to do is actually motivate. It's kind of a funny way to motivate people, right? Well, why should I do something? Well, because everything's about to end, so I need to do this. Usually when people hear that, they just give up, right? And everything's about to end, so why do I have to do anything? But what Peter is saying is just the opposite. He's saying the end of all things is at hand. And so Peter is saying, even in his time 2,000 years ago, he's saying saying the return of Jesus Christ is imminent, which means it could happen at any time. Now, they didn't know 2,000 years later the church would still be here and Christ had not yet returned. But as far as they knew from the teachings of Jesus, he said he could return at any time. So Peter is saying, first of all, Here's your motivation in what I'm about to say. So why do we serve? Like, what's the motivation for serving? Well, Peter is saying because time is of the essence. How are you with time management? You're like me, man. It's a struggle. 
could be a struggle to manage our time to do all the things that we're responsible for, let alone the things that we would like to do. But Peter is saying, you know what? Make sure your things are in order, your priorities are set, that you're managing your time wisely. He's saying because Jesus could return at any minute. So he says, time is at hand. The end of all things is at hand. So in light of, and this is for us today as well, 2,000 years after this was written to the church, we are still here, the church, a new generation of believers. We are to understand that the end of all things is at hand. Because the return of Jesus could happen at any moment as he comes back for us, his church. So Peter is saying, especially in the midst of persecution to the people who originally read his letter, but it still applies to us today, he's saying because Jesus could come back at any minute, let's use our time wisely. And so therefore, he says, giving us more context about why and how to serve each other, he says, be self-controlled and sober-minded. Why? For the sake of your prayers. He's saying, the time is of the essence. Let us pray. But here's the, the key. He's saying, because Christ can return at any moment, don't waste time on yourself. Focus on others. Remember, Peter's writing to persecuted Christians. He's saying, be diligent. Be diligent in your prayers. Be focused and paying attention. So that's what he means by being self-controlled and sober-minded. He's like, make sure your thoughts are clear, that your priorities are right, that you're giving full and first attention to God and the things of his church. So he's saying be self-controlled. So be focused, pay attention, be sober-minded, clarity of thought, and he says specifically for the sake of your prayers, so that you know what to pray for and how to pray. Because what a great way to serve each other by praying for one another. You know, we have an email uh, set up to help us stay in contact with each other. It's our prayer email, right? prayer at trinityallenwood.com. And you can find that on the website if you don't want to write that down now, but prayer at trinityallenwood.com. And many of you are already on that prayer list, um, that email list, but we get to know what's going on in the lives of others and how to pray specific prayer requests. And then we receive those great updates about how prayers are being answered and how specifically to continue to pray. But what an important thing that we can do to serve each other by praying for one another. Church, do you regularly pray? For the brothers and sisters sitting in this room and those that are part of our church family. So Peter is saying, Christ come back at any time. Let's keep things in the proper perspective. So let's keep praying for each other, but be focused and be diligent and set about doing the things that we should be doing because there's no time to waste. Time is of the essence. Is that how we live our lives? Not being anxious or fearful, but just realizing that Christ can come at any time. As we see world events unfold outside our door in our communities and the world around us, we are reminded every day, the end of all things is at hand. We don't know when that's going to be. We leave that up to the Lord. But until then, we're doing what Peter says to do, so let's be self-controlled and sober-minded, focusing on the things that are important. And then in verse 8, he says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. So he says, above all, love one another. So he's saying, pray for each other, 
Remember, he's building up about how to serve, right? This is the context of verse 10. How are we going to serve each other using our gifts? He says, all right, let's give a little context to it, right? We're doing this because time is of the essence, and he's saying, so be focused and sober-minded. But then he also is saying that we are to be preparing to serve, right? Preparing to serve, and we are to do that with love. Before I even get to love, let's do this. I don't want to miss this. When he says in verse 7 about having self-control and being sober-minded, He's also saying, look, don't be distracted by the things of the world. Before he even talks about love, I'll get to that in a minute. He says, do these things, why? Because he's building the case saying, we can be so distracted by the things of this world that we lose focus on what's important. Has that ever happened to you? It's not easy for, for that to happen, that we can allow the things that aren't important to distract us. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God that is good and acceptable and perfect. See, Paul in that passage is saying that we are to sacrifice on behalf of others sacrifice on behalf of others. Give yourself, not being selfish, give yourself for God is, wants to transform your mind. We are to transform our mind by being conformed to his word and his will and not the world. So we do this also so we can pray. Pray for others. Pray, uh, pray as preparation for serving, keeping our mind and our heart focused away from the self, but on God and others. Remember in Matthew 22, Jesus is asked this question, and we, we, we often are reminded of the answer. But in Matthew 22, it says this, teacher, there was a follower that asked Jesus this question, Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, because this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself, because all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. He says love, because he's leading into the next part to love, but he says the greatest commandments, it's about others, you notice that? not about self. It's love God and love others. It's also been said we have this vertical relationship, us and God, and these horizontal relationships, us and the church and others. We are to be others-focused in all that we do. And Peter is saying we are to pray for others. In the light of Jesus returning at any moment, keep your minds and your attentions on what matters most. And then in verse 8, He talks about love above all else. Love one another earnestly because it covers a multitude of sins. Because we are to be forgiving of others and remembering the most important thing is love. So he's saying serve with the right heart. Use all our gifts that God has given us with love or else they are useless to God. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 has that very famous passage 
we call the love chapter. You hear 1 Corinthians 13 used a lot at weddings, right? But 1 Corinthians 13 is Paul writing right in the midst of these chapters, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, about spiritual gifts. We, dis- we discussed that a little bit last week. So right in the middle of Paul talking about spiritual gifts and what they are and how to use them, he says, hold on, let's just take a, a breather for a second. Let's make sure we are serving out of a heart of love. Because without it, all the other gifts are useless. So Peter, in our passage, is building the case to say, you need to serve each other, but do it with the right heart. Because that church in Corinth that Paul was writing to was not. They had all kinds of gifts. They were a very gifted church, but they were self-serving. They were using their gifts to puff themselves up and not help others. So Paul was saying it's all about serving others with our gifts. You remember 1 Corinthians 13? Paul says this, but we know when he says love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, doesn't boast. We we know that. But the first three verses before that, uh, he says this, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You know people like that? Sure we do. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to even remove mountains, but if I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. See, Paul? He's saying we can serve, be the best servants out there. We can be busy doing all kinds of stuff at church, but if we're not doing it with the heart of love for others, as God sees people, then Paul says it's not worth it because it's really useless to God. After those three verses, he then says, love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy or doesn't boast, and he goes on to talk about love. But in our passage, He continues on, Peter does, excuse me, and in verse 9, he says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. He's giving an example. Okay, so maybe you have the gift of hospitality. It's one of the spiritual gifts, welcoming people into your home, making, even if it's not in your home, welcoming people, making them feel loved and welcomed wherever they are. He's saying, if you do that, Do it without grumbling. I think we've all had times when we've served and done something we knew we're supposed to do. We didn't do it with a heart of love, and we probably did it with some grumbling here and there, right? (laughs) What is the heart of service? See, that's what he's saying. Doing it with a heart of love and without grumbling. We should serve in the local church willingly, gladly, thankfully, without grumbling. And here's what we say. We don't say, I have to serve in church. We should say, we get to serve in church. See, that's the difference. We get to serve. We serve others and not ourselves. It's a privilege to serve each other. We know it's better to give than receive. We often think about that this time of year especially. In Acts chapter 20, Paul says this, the Apostle Paul says this to the church elders in Ephesus. We read this in Acts 20, verse 35. It says, 
Paul says, in all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That's where we get that from. Now, as a side note, it's interesting. The apostle Paul himself says in Acts 20, 35, that Jesus himself said, it's more blessed to give than receive. But you know what? Those words of Jesus are not found in any of the Gospels. So does it mean Jesus didn't say it? No, because elsewhere we're told that not all of the things Jesus did and said are recorded. Because we would need volumes and volumes. There wouldn't be enough books to hold all the things that we can learn from him. So Paul is basically giving us an insight into something Jesus taught that we actually don't have a written record of. But Paul says it, it's in the word of God, so it's true. So we have this little insight that one of the things Jesus taught his disciples and taught the apostle Paul, it's more blessed to give than to receive. What a biblical principle that we get to serve others. Then in verse 10, our key verse, Peter says this, as each has received a gift, remember last week we talked about spiritual gifts, we receive those at the moment that we believe in the Lord Jesus for salvation. The Holy Spirit indwells us and the Spirit gives us at least one gift to use specifically for the church. Remember that. Peter says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. What a beautiful verse. That we are to use our gifts, the things the Spirit has given us, uniquely to do, to serve others. It's all about others. This is the key verse. Serve each other. It's the reason that we have these gifts. God doesn't say, I'm going to give you some gifts to use, and by the way, I just want you to use them for other people. It's like it's the whole reason he gives us spiritual gifts is to bless each other and to build up the church. But Paul says, but Peter says specifically that we have been given the gift to serve one another as good stewards. You know what a steward is? I mean, we don't use that, that word a lot, right? Steward. But what is a steward? A steward is a manager. A steward is very simply a manager of somebody else's riches and wealth. A steward is a manager, it's somebody who doesn't own something but cares for something, takes care of it, manages it. That's what the word steward means. That we are to steward God's grace is what Peter is saying. Steward the gifts that God has given us by his grace. So we are to be good stewards slash managers slash caretakers of God's grace. We don't own these gifts, they are given to us by the grace of God, through the Holy Spirit. But what does a steward do? A steward has great responsibility to care for something that he does not own, see? So we recognize that as followers of Jesus Christ and believers in him for salvation, that we are to be good stewards, being responsible to take care of what he has given us. It's like this oftentimes in in um, <clears throat> pre-marriage counseling, Claudia and I will talk to a young couple and we inevitably bring up the question, do you want to have kids? And usually it goes like this. We say, what does that look like? Do you want to have kids? And all the time, it happens all the time, the, 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 um, 
the the man and the woman who are going to get married, they look at each other like this. Oh, do you want to have kids? And they look at each other. We're like, we're kind of hoping that you maybe discuss this, you know, ahead of time. It's a good thing to talk about. But here's the thing. We'll say it this way. You realize that children are a gift from God. They are given to us by God, not for us to own, but to steward and to care for, to manage out of love, realizing that our children truly belong to God. But he blesses us with them for as long as he gives them to us on this earth to steward them, to care for them. But how important is it to remember they truly, they don't belong to us. They belong to God. But just like all of the blessings from God, including our spiritual gifts, they are given to us by God. They belong to him. But he says, here, take care of this gift. You have the gift of hospitality. You have the gift of leadership. Whatever the gift is of all those gifts listed in scripture, he says, here, now take care of this. Use this and use it well and use it to bless others with a heart of love and a heart of thankfulness. That is what Peter is trying to get to. The gifts are God's, uh, are God's and he gives those to us for a purpose. So if you think about it this way, if we don't own the gift or gifts, then we don't have any right to use it for any other reason other than to serve others. We have no right to take a spiritual gift and use it just for our own self-gain or to build ourselves up or to create an identity here at Trinity Bible Church. Oh, that guy is this, that lady is that. No, it's for others. We don't even have the right to do that because we don't own it. When we serve others, we think of it this way as well, it's an investment in other people. Are you investing in others? Are you investing your time and your energy, using your gift, praying for others? Are you investing in other people in this church and for God's future kingdom? Are you using your time wisely, praying for others, using your gifts as an investment in other people? Are you sowing seeds with love and selflessness? We're told to seek first God's kingdom and everything else will be taken care of. So we are not to worry about our own self and our own needs, but we are to think of God and others first, because when you do that, when everybody else is doing that, then the church is healthy and strong, and all of our needs are being met. Do you ever think about it that way? If you just think of others, and they're doing the same thing, you're doing what God has called you to do, and your needs are being met, because other people are taking care of you and praying for you and loving you. You know, the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, you don't have to turn to it, but I just want to uh, just reference that. The parable of the talents is important because it talks about investing in other people. Are you taking what God has given you, investing in it? You remember from that parable, you had three people that were given gifts, they were given money, and then the master came back and said, what have you done with it, Right? And two of them, they invested it. They invested their money, their talents wisely, and it multiplied. And the other one said, here, I was afraid. 
And so I, I didn't do anything. I buried it in the ground, and here it is. And if you think about it, if we did that today, it'd be worth even less because of inflation, wouldn't it? <laughs> wouldn't it be worth the same amount? That person was scolded for not stewarding, managing, being responsible for what the master had given them. It wasn't their money. It was the master's. Our gifts do not belong to us. They belong to God, but he gives them to us to use to bless other people. Are we investing in this church? And remember, this church is not the building. It's not these chairs. It's not the heat that we have. This is all important. These are beautiful resources and blessings that God has given us over the years. But the church is the people. We understand that, right? We are the church. Scripturally speaking, we are the church, the body of believers. And we're only going to be as healthy as, us, as all of us using our gifts so that we can grow and be healthy. As I said earlier, we might get by if we're not all using our gifts, but not without some kind of limp. In verse 11, to wrap it up, he says, he kind of gives an idea, Peter does, of what it looks like to be a good steward of God's varied grace. It means he gives grace in different ways, varied gifts. God loves diversity. We all look different, and we're going to even use these different gifts differently. It's a beautiful thing the way God designs that because we are designed and wired to serve each other. So he says, whoever speaks as one speaks oracles of God. He's, remember, he's saying like, Carrying over from verse 10, it's like, you're going you're gonna to serve each other and be good stewards of God's varied grace, and here's some of the variables. He kind of just gives, like, he, he kind of breaks it down into two different um, areas, like those who lead and those who don't lead. But he says, you know what, whether you're a leader or not a leader in the church, you all have to use your gifts. So he talks about those who speak and those who serve, but yet we're all servants. He's just trying to say it's the whole church, just the way Peter says it. Whoever speaks, use your gift as from the oracles of God, which means realize it's from God. Speak God's word, not your own. And whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So when you serve the church, you don't do it for self-serving reasons. You don't even do it out of your own strength. You do it only by the gift and the strength that God gives you. And he wraps up by saying, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So everyone is to serve with God's strength, by God's grace, and for his glory. So let's finish with this. Let's ask a simple question. Why do we serve? And I hope you've been maybe thinking about those questions I asked you earlier. What are your gifts? Are you using them here? What kind of needs do you see here at Trinity and how you might be able to fill those needs so that we can grow, so that we can grow healthier, so we can grow healthier from the inside out. It's the whole purpose of this discipleship pathway as a tool, as just one way, one important way to help us here at Trinity to grow, to learn, grow, and serve, to be the disciples God has called us to be. Because we want to continue to grow in following him. So, in light of all that, why do we serve? We serve the church most importantly, to give God glory because it blesses his heart and it gives him glory. You know, we serve using the gifts he's given us 
also as a testimony to the world. You remember we covered this last week that Jesus tells his disciples the night before he's betrayed and he tells them, I have a new commandment for you to love one another. He says, this is how the world is gonna know that you belong to me, it's how you love one another. So we love each other so much that we are serving. And see, so the world around us is gonna see that as a testimony. It's a, listen, it's a testimony to the transformative power of our God. God takes us and transforms us through the power of the gospel into a church who loves each other and serves each other selflessly. That's the picture of the church that we are given. So we serve, we serve the body of Christ to give God glory, and it gives God glory beyond compare when the world around us sees how we love each other and we serve, that we are not about ourselves, but we are about others. Isn't it amazing even in our workplace and where we go to school, it's just little acts of kindness and service, even outside of the, the, the church family, how it goes so noticed. People seem surprised that you're willing to help them. Is that something? I mean, it should be so commonplace that it even doesn't get noticed, but it does. Those things make a big difference because people are watching, and God knows it. God gets glory and we are a witness, that salt and light to the world around us, how we serve each other with love. So why do we serve? To give God glory. We serve to bless others. Don't you like to be blessed? But it's also more blessed to give than to receive. So let's focus on being others-focused. We serve to bring that testimony to the world. And then finally, I end with this. Why else do we serve? Maybe this is the only thing we need to remember from today. We serve because Jesus served. Aren't, isn't it all about trying to be more like Jesus each and every day until he comes back for us? I mean, Peter's saying the time is at hand and he can come back at any moment. So let's be found by our Lord Jesus when he comes back serving one another. We serve simply and most profoundly because Jesus did. So we are to be like him. It was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So Jesus got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing wrapped a towel around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin. He began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that had been wrapped around him. Then he came to Simon Peter, the very one who wrote our passage for this morning. Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize, you do not yet realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus said to him, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. And the Lord 
Simon Peter said to the Lord, Then, Jesus, don't just wash my feet, but my hands and my head as well. When he had finished washing all their feet, he put on his, all their feet, every disciple. He put on his clothes, and Jesus returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? Jesus asked them. You call me teacher. You call me Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. It is better and more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to serve than to be served. For Jesus said, he did not come to be served, but to serve. He gives us that great example, that night before he was going to be betrayed. All the things he could have been doing, all that was going through his mind and weighing down heavy his heart. He took the time to teach his disciples another lesson. And he says, serve, serve one another, serve one another as I have served you. And he did it in a very practical way. He washed their feet. Peter couldn't believe it. Jesus said, you might not understand right now, but you will. Let's stand and pray together. Lord, thank you for the gift of being able to serve. May we serve more and more like Jesus did and with the heart of our Heavenly Father. Thank you for this church. Thank you for your church those whom we get to serve. May we see each other with your eyes, and may we see more clearly those opportunities where we may serve in this local body of believers, that we may build each other up and bring you honor and glory, and in doing so, be a testimony to this world around us, this world which desperately needs hope and help. Father, bless us and guide us as we endeavor to serve each other to our fullest potential, putting to use the spiritual gifts you have given us and growing as the unique servants you have created us to be. And through it all, Father, our purest desire, the desire of our heart is to bring you glory in all that we say and all that we do for others, and for you. So we ask for the strength to do these things, the strength of mind and love and heart to serve each other, doing so in the name of Jesus, through the power and gifting of the Holy Spirit, and ultimately for the glory of you, our Heavenly Father. Amen. Amen. Church. Thank you for joining us. Let's go and serve and serve one another. Amen.
Slay 